Wow, this is wonderful. I, uh, last time I, I taught in January, Ward, it was just you, me, and a camera. So no offense, but I like this view a little bit better. So I am so grateful to be here and to have this opportunity to teach you all today. Um, a little terrified, but 99% excited. And I decided to wear this bracelet that one of our teens made me that says, God rocks. And isn't that the truth, right? God does rock. And God's word is alive, and I know he is here with us, and I can't wait to see how he connects with you and speaks to you through the scripture passage today. This passage that we'll be looking at, John 15, is one that is near and dear to many people's hearts. It's a, it's a well-known passage, and I'm sure it's one I've read many times before. But one moment that sticks out a little bit more profoundly than others was December 31st, 2019. Is that, does it sound okay? Okay. 2019. Yep, New Year's Eve 2019. Now, normal people have parties and festivities, but because I'm a wild child, my good friend and I decided to spend the night worshiping and closing out the year, journaling and meditating on these exact words that we're going to hear today. They were some of the final words we read and spoke to one another as we closed out that year. And fittingly, they're actually some of the last words that Christ spoke before his crucifixion on the cross. What really touches me in this, these kind of farewell passages of his, these three chapters, is that there's no large crowds, no thousands of people clamoring to get to him, no miraculous healings. It's just Jesus and his disciples in these intimate conversations that provoke unity and obedience but are all abound in love. I'm sure many of you have either spoken or received final words before. I know some of you are doing like a college drop-off this week, and you're, I guess, depending on your child, you're wondering, they might be the kid that needs to hear, go, please, go, you'll be fine, I promise you'll be safe. Or maybe there's a child, that, there's usually one in each family, at least for us there was, that needs to hear, please be safe, wash your sheets some point, call home this month, like, please, you know, you know, you know who needs to hear what. But it always or usually ends in a hug, and I love you. Or maybe your final words have been a little more somber by the bedside of a loved one as they prepare to head home. And in those moments, there's not a lot left to say, is there? Maybe a final gift of forgiveness or an affirmation of what they meant to you. But mostly, you're just sharing how much you love them. Final words. And in Jesus' final words, he's also sharing that love, and he's imploring them, knowing that he's leaving, and knowing they will need the spirit within them without his presence. He's imploring them to stay connected to him, stay connected in that love, just like a branch is connected to a vine. So before we read the actual passage, I'd love to pray, so join me in prayer, please. God, thank you for your living word. Let it pierce our hearts today in the way that we need it to. Let the words I speak be of you and not of me. And let this message and our whole lives seek to give you glory. Amen. So today I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation of John 15 verses 1 through 10. And as I read, you might notice the word abide, and maybe listen for the frequency in which it appears. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear even more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. He is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So eight times, I don't know if you caught it, but the word abide appears eight times in only ten verses. Like, it must be pretty important to include that many times, am I right? But why? Why does Jesus emphasize this word abide? And why does he use this analogy, metaphor, analogy of a vine, branches, and a vine dresser? I think a little background knowledge kind of helps us. So in that time, vineyards were really common. So by using this reference, it would have been really relatable to his disciples. And I love, I love that Jesus does that. But possibly even more significantly, in the Old Testament, as part of the Old Covenant, Israel was often referred to as a vine, God's elected people. But now here is Jesus, once again confirming that he is the Son of God. He is the promised Messiah. He is the atoning sacrifice, the hope of Israel. He is the one true vine. And he's part of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So knowing that, isn't that beautiful that he would choose to use a vine and a branch? Now he's already stated many I am statements before. He could have easily restated that I am the shepherd and you are the sheep, or told another parable about a parent and a child, and it would have been significant. But instead, he chooses this mutual relationship. A branch needs the vine to survive. It needs it for nourishment. And the vine, similarly, has to sustain and nourish the branch in order for it to grow. It's, it's active, it's mutual, it's a vital relationship. Um, I never really asked if I could tell a story, but I went over to the Cadsman's last weekend um, for a delicious, sure, cool, they're cool, they're great. Um, but I went over for a delicious dinner, seriously, best despacho ever. And during the dinner this past weekend, they opened up a bottle of wine for us to enjoy. And Andy was telling me that actually their friend runs the vineyard in Michigan. And they had the opportunity to go out there one time and kind of tour the grounds, if you will. And while he was there, he tasted one of the grapes fresh off the vine and said how delicious it was. And they're way too nice to say this, but I'm sure it was um, much better than my like, plastic bag grocery store grapes that I contributed to the dinner that night. 
But nonetheless, um, when he told his friend, you know, like, why can't we eat these? Why don't we buy these in stores? He replied along the lines, or how I imagine he replied was, well, duh, like, we save the best ones for the wine, of course. And I know I'm stretching here a little bit, but the same is true with God. The fruit that we that bear and that the Spirit produces in us when we are connected and abiding in God is so much better than what we can find here in this world. What the world offers is temporary and it's sub subject to what's popular or culturally relevant. But this fruit, it's like eternal. God loves us so much that he's worried his end game is eternity and yet he still chooses to care for us and to grow us here on earth. Well, what kind of fruit are we talking about, right? It's, we don't exactly know from this passage. It's not outlined here, but we can surmise from other ones like Galatians 5.22 that talks about peace and patience, love, joy, kindness. Maybe less pride, less greed, less anger, more righteousness. Maybe it's strength and courage to live out the commission of Matthew 28 to go and share the gospel and to make disciples of all people. Essentially, it's fruit that leads us to loving God and others better. It sounds pretty good, right? And you're either thinking, yeah, like I'm on board, I definitely want more of that fruit, or you're in a camp where you're, that sounds impossible, I'm only human, like I, I don't even know where to begin. And so good news, it's not really about you. Can you imagine if it was? Can you imagine if we had to try to be all of that on our own? Like, in our own striving, we would fail. Have you ever woken up in the morning and thought, yeah, today's the day. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lose my cool with my child. I'm going to be so patient. Today, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be, like, joyful. Like, uh, like, just so happy no matter what's happening. We'd fail. So it's not up to us. It's the Holy Spirit, which we receive by faith when we accept Christ as our Savior. It's the Spirit in us that grows that. So instead of us on our own trying to, trying to get all these things and be all these things, we rest in God. We focus on our relationship with God. And by discovering the love of the triune God, we, we learn to trust. We see that God is good and is for us. And in that trust, the Holy Spirit helps us to abide and then helps us to obey. And as we obey, we produce fruit. And it's that connection, it's that relationship that empowers our transformation. And transformation is amazing. We love the growth part, right? But with growth comes pruning. And we don't love, maybe it's just me, but there's always, there's like a verse in the Bible or two that you just kind of wish you could just cherry pick out, you know? You're like, I don't love that it says that. Well, for some of you, it might be the verse that says, every branch in me that bears fruit, my father will prune. We don't love to talk about pruning because it's messy. If you've ever pruned something in your backyard, you know. Um, <laughs> this summer, we went on the mission trip, and we had the sweetest homeowner, Nancy. And all she wanted was just to sit on her porch and see her lawn. She hadn't been able to see her yard since she moved in because it was so overgrown. So... For some reason, unbeknownst to me, they trusted us with pruning shears. Um, and the three teens that did it did a phenomenal job. Like, if you ever need someone to prune your garden, they, they are the ones to go. Me, on the other hand, um, my pruning skills can only best be described as terrifying. 
And I was just hacking away at these limbs. I had them sideways, upside down. I was talking as I was doing it. I was afraid to stop. I thought I took away the entire bush. But lo and behold, at the end of the week, Nancy came out onto her porch, and she was able to admire the beauty of her yard. The beauty was revealed from the mess and the sweat and the living limbs and the dead limbs that we had pruned throughout the week. And the same is true with us. Because pruning is done out of love. It's God's love for us that he chooses for us to, to grow and to bear his fruit. I mean, this is the God that the God of the entire kingdom, the God of beginning and end of time, the God that spoke heavens and earth into existence, that knows every single strand of hair on your head and every word on your tongue before you speak it. This God, can't we trust that he knows what's best for us? Can't we trust that he is for good and his pruning is only so that we can love him and others better? Can't we trust that he doesn't want us... He loves us enough, not the love that the world offers, which just says, you do you. Like, I'm tolerating it all. It's cool. I don't, you know, you do you. No, this is true love. It says, I'm not going to give up. That I'm not only going to prune you once, I'm going to continually prune you. The verse doesn't end with every branch in me that bears fruit, my father will prune. It continues to say, every branch that is in me that bears fruit, my father will prune to bear more fruit continually, diligently. It's a cleansing, transforming, sanctifying process that doesn't end. How gracious is that? What a good, loving gardener. I myself went through a pruning um, season a few years ago, actually. I had, was the victim of a minor assault that resulted in a year and a half little court trial um, and a very spiritual and emotional trial as well. And in that, that time, it would have been easy to take the stance of the world or even some people in my own sphere of influence that were telling me to, you know, don't forgive them. Stay angry. Get your revenge on that stand when you get up there. But we have a different option as Christians, don't we? And in that time, I, I learned what it meant to really abide. The Spirit helped me abide, and not in the sense of just going through the motions, but I was utterly dependent on God. For everything. I know by now, um, I think all of you have probably seen me cry, hopefully happy tears. So you might not be surprised when I tell you this, but I've cried in some way every day for the first 10 months of that. And in those moments of crying out and listening, the Spirit empowered my prayers. I found strength. I found words to speak when I stood up on that stand multiple times. I found the ease to forgive because God has forgiven me. And I was given multiple opportunities to share my faith in the courtroom. Twice, actually. But more than that, the hard part to admit, right, the part that took me a while to really say out loud, is that although God didn't want me to suffer in that season of suffering, he chose to prune me and gently, lovingly exposed sin in my own life. Sin that was outward and like the sin, the hard sin that's really hidden deep down and like secret, yeah. And led me to confess that and then to receive his endless grace and mercy. And he also showed me characteristics that were not bad in my life, that by all intents and purposes were good, but they were no longer serving 
me or him, and we're becoming a hindrance to growing deeper in my faith. And at the end of it, like, um, was it fun? Not really, no. Would I go back and live it all over again? Probably not, but am I so grateful that it happened? Absolutely, yes. And I'm sure all of you can relate to that, too. Maybe you're in that season now, or maybe you have a marked time in your life that you look back on like I do. Or maybe it's been more seamless, and you just kind of say, hey, you know what? I'm no longer the same person I was 10 years ago. Thank you, God, for that. I had a, um, my former pastor in Virginia once said a daily dangerous prayer to pray is to just simply say, prune me, God. Just go ahead, prune me, remove any sin, any weeds, anything in my life that is hindering me from you, just prune me. I'm actually probably due for that prayer again, so watch out. But um, pruning is done out of love. It's, it's produced, that fruit, it comes when we trust in God and when we have the Holy Spirit in us. Whether you're in a pruning or a growing season right now or you don't even know what kind of season of life you're in, you're just trying to make it through the day, keep abiding. Keep resting and trusting and surrendering Keep leaning into that love and obeying God's commands. Keep abiding. Because our Father is good. He's a good vine dresser. Let the word be your sustenance. Let the Spirit empower your prayers and convict and comfort you and guide you in your daily actions. Let's not settle for what this world has to offer, right? Let's ache for something so much deeper, so much more real, so much more eternal. As we leave today, I really pray that we not only listen to the words that we heard in Scripture, but we really hear them, we really embody them, and we live them out long after we leave today. Because it's good news. Christ is the true vine. Will we abide? Let's pray. Thank you. Thank you, God, for your unconditional, unending love that we can never begin to describe. Thank you for sending your son the ultimate sacrifice of love to die for us so that we can be made new. Thank you for giving us your spirit to live and dwell within us. So we're not alone here. God, you never ever promised that this life would be easy. In fact, you said there will be trials and suffering as Christians. But you've given us your spirit. You've given us this word to abide. God help.